Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Digital Industries Changing the Game, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's digital strategy and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run to the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, well, I found an interesting quote from a gentleman named Iqbal Qadir. I'll spell the name I-Q-B-A-L-Q-A-D-U-A-D-I-R. And the quote is, connectivity is productivity. Three very important words. Let me just let those sink in for a second. Okay, so let's talk about it. While we as consumers spend more time on our mobile devices than on traditional computing devices, did you know that? The transformative power of mobile has not fully reached the workplace. Well, why not? What's going on? Hey, very often you can get email, you can get alerts, you can chat on your phone, but workers in companies and industries all around the world still can cannot get what they need to do their jobs. That's mission-critical enterprise data access. Uh-uh, not happening on mobile. How about being able to make business decisions? Uh-uh, not happening on mobile. Or take action on those business decisions from any location on the devices they and we love. You know, bring your own device to work. Well, you can't always do your job on that device. What's going on? Well, let's talk about that. Underlying business systems aren't linked through what we call a digital core to provide a seamless end user experience. You are the end user, resulting in you got frustration, you have complexity, you're wasting time. Wouldn't it be great if you could do everything on your mobile device at work? Oh, dream on. How close are we to a solution? We're going to find out from our three esteemed panelists. Let me just tell you who they are and then we'll get started. First up, we're welcoming back a gentleman who hasn't been on with me for a couple of years uh, on a Game Changer show. It's Stuart, Stuart Ravens, now Principal Research Analyst at a company called Navigant, N-A-V-I-G-A-N-T, formerly at Ovum. That's where you may remember Stuart from. Joining him on the panel today is Catherine Lynch, Senior Director Industry Cloud Marketing at SAP, and rounding out our panelist, Holger Fritzinger, Vice President in Mobile Solution Management, also at SAP. So let me circle back to Stuart, and he has sent us an interesting quote from James Dyson. Does that name sound familiar? Well, you're in the U.S. If you're in the U.S., you're familiar with probably TV, network TV advertisements for Dyson vacuum cleaners, that's right. But get this, it's not just James Dyson, the guy who invented the bagless vacuum cleaner. He is Sir James Dyson. Letters after his name are O-M-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-R-E-N-G. Born in May 1947, he's a kid. He's a British inventor, industrial designer, and founder of the Dyson Company, best known as the inventor of the dual cyclone bagless vacuum cleaner, which works on the principle of cyclonic separation. And according to the Sunday Times Rich List, boy, they just come right out and say that, the Rich List for 2016, Dyson's net worth is 5 billion pounds, up from 3 billion in 2013. He's cleaning up, you might say. So here's the quote Stewart has selected from Sir James Dyson. Quote, the key to success is failure. Success, success is made up of 99% failure. Stuart Ravens, welcome back. How have you been? I've been very well, Bonnie. Thanks, thanks for having me back. 
Delighted to have you back. Long time. Seems I think it's been a couple of years. So nobody has ever quoted, uh, I'll call him the vacuum cleaner guy, Dyson. And I found the quote interesting. I know it's a much longer quote, but in the interest of time, I just picked out the parts that I thought were, were most interesting to us. The key to success is failure. Success is made of 99% failure. So welcome back, Stuart Ravens. Tell me how that quote relates to our topic. And we're talking about how mobile is enabling digital transformation. So what do you think? Yeah, the, the, the two do tie in. Um, that, that there's, I guess there's a lot of ground to cover in between the two. Um, where does it come in? And I, I think the whole point of uh, what I'm trying to get across, um, and it's something that we'll, we'll come back to, I think, in more detail later, but really what, what I, I wanted to talk about was really how we've entered a second wave of um, uh, of innovation within the, the, the mobile workforce. And uh, we've now got uh, a technology infrastructure that's probably adva- in advance of some of the capabilities that, that are actually embedded on devices. And I think historically, we had a technology infrastructure that couldn't support uh, uh, the demands of the mobile workforce. Mm-hmm. So really, what uh, I guess the message that I'm trying to get across this afternoon is all about innovation innovation uh, um, and I come you know I, I, I focus on the utilities industry so I'm looking really at asset intensive uh, uh, businesses mm-hmm. with a um, you know a lot of mobile workforce doing uh, operations and maintenance work but really it's getting those people to think outside the box and really try and innovate within their own businesses to come up with the, the, the mobile applications that will really help deliver operational efficiency and better customer service in the future. And to do innovation, to, to be innovative, you have to fail. And in a lot of these departments, in maintenance and operations, failure isn't really part of the corporate culture. And, you know, when we're thinking about our power system, we're, we really don't want that to fail. So uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, in terms of engineers, not really used to, to failing. And, and, but it's failing in the right way. It's, it's developing tools. It's failing fast if they don't work, moving on to the next thing and learning. So that's why I, uh, um, you, you know, I chose this quote. Because, uh, you know, it's critical to success. And, uh, and if there's one thing that I want people to walk away with after listening to this show, it's that. Thank you very much. A, a question for you, Stuart. Do you think there's a lot of, of discontent among workforce in industries, as I said in my opening around the world, because they can't do their business critical missions, their jobs, their tasks on their mobile? Is this something that, that management is saying, yeah, we've got to get this because Stuart's out there and he wants to put out this RFP today and, and he can't get the software on his phone and we're not sure about the security. We really have to do it because Stuart might not want to work here anymore more if we we can't give them access to yeah. all of this enterprise data do you think there's that that acknowledgement on the part of management that this has to be done for the workforce what's your quick thought on that i think if you were to have asked me that question three or four years ago it would have been unequivocally yes um things have changed and uh, um and you asking that question it's reminded me of a, of a great adage i was once told that that the, uh, uh, the, the lifetime of mobile devices in the field was directly proportional to the, uh, um, the, the um, uh, user friendliness 
of the, mm-hmm. the applications that were stored on them because people would get so frustrated with their mobile applications that they'd, you know, they'd throw their devices against the wall or run over them with a truck because they're so sick of using them. Um, uh, so so there, there was massive frustration amongst the workforce. Things have changed, and they've, they've changed really quickly. Um, and maybe that's something that we can pick up on uh, uh, again later in the program. Thank you very much for uh, indulging my question, Stuart, and welcome back. And now let's welcome our second panelist. She is Catherine Lynch, as I said, Senior Director of Industry Cloud Marketing at SAP. And Catherine is taking us into the land of literature with her quote, something I haven't heard in years, and I I don't know anybody who doesn't know this and who doesn't love this. It's a quote from The White Rabbit in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. And those of you who are not familiar, The White Rabbit is a fictional character in this book, he appears at the beginning of chapter one wearing a waistcoat, very formal, muttering, oh dear, oh dear, I shall be too late. Of course, my accent is not as good as Stewart's was. Alice follows him down the rabbit hole into Wonderland, and she sees him again when he mistakes her for someone else. The rabbit shows up again in the last few chapters as a herald-like servant of the king and queen of hearts. Here's the quote. Come on, everybody out there around the world, admit it. You've heard this. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. No time to say hello. Good Bye. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. Catherine Lynch, love the quote. How are you? Hi. Hi, Bonnie. I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Tell me, are you a big fan of Lewis Carroll and Alice? And what do you think about that rabbit hole? Is that what we're looking at when we talk about mobility and, and workforce and industry? <laughs> well, hopefully not. <laughs> but, um, yes, well, I'm, I'm from the UK, and most uh, British children are very familiar with Alice's Adventures in, in Wonderland. And um, sometimes uh, if we're running late, you know, I'll say that to my daughter. I'll kind of pretend to be the the white rabbit um, because we need to get somewhere quickly. Um, but um, the reason I chose that quote is because um, in the professional services industry, uh, it's all about delivering a, a specific service or a project um, for a specified budget within a very particular time delay and um, increasingly companies um, customers are expecting um, specific business outcomes so the in many cases the the contract will will tie the um, the service the fees to um, a specific desired outcome and so it's very very important for anyone who's delivering any kind of service or project um, to to kind of reduce the risk of anything putting that that deadline or, or making a project going over budget um, as as much as possible. And, and as everyone knows who's ever been on a project, anything can happen. Uh, and I believe mobile solutions have a big a big role to play in taking some of the pain and some of the the drudgery out of uh, running um, projects on time and delivering uh, these desired business outcomes on time. And there are many different ways um, that, that it can help us. It might be by alerting people to issues. It might be communicating um, profiles of expert skills that are required mm-hmm. suddenly um, that weren't originally identified in the project plan. Or it could be um, more on the social networking side. It could be, for example, um, hooking up um, consultants who maybe spend one day in the office per month or less 
with their colleagues who are working on the same topics, the same kind of intellectual property, but who don't know each other if they're kind of hot desking, they don't, you know, they don't meet each other. But it can encourage them to sit near to each other and then exchange and, and talk about uh, topics they're working on. And um, I think, I believe mobile solutions are really a key enabler um, to the professional services industry um, and particularly where people, it's an industry where Many people are flying about, getting to customer sites, um, and so they, mobile is really, really important to them. It very much is. Do, do you, I'll ask you the same question, Catherine, that I asked Stuart at the end of his intro about his quote. Do you think management is aware of that, or does that sound like a quote-unquote soft need? Oh, I need to be able to talk to other consultants. Oh, I'm flying from point A to point Z on Friday, and I need to interface with some staff who are also out of the office. Oh, I need to tap into this thought leader data because I'm meeting with a client in a few minutes, and, and I need to have it right here on my iPad, for example. Do you think management is, is uh, shall I say, empathetic, sympathetic, or feels that urgency? Um, I, I believe so, yes. We're seeing, um, you know, some of our, I would say, more digitally mature customers are kind of acknowledging that and they're equipping their consultants with, with, with tablets, with iPads, um, with um, mobile applications that enable them to, you know, enter their um, time and, and expenses uh, remotely uh, so I believe in the I would say the the leaders and um, the most digitally mature companies and um, they, they are empathetic um, perhaps in some of the smaller uh, companies that are laggards it's perhaps less uh, less the case Thank you very much, Catherine. Nice to meet you, and thanks for joining us. And now let me move on to our third panelist. He is Holger Fritzinger, F-R-I-T-Z-I-N-G-E-R, if you want to look him up, VP in Mobile Solution Management at SAP. And Holger has sent us a quote from Tim Cook. Those of you who don't recognize the name, I don't know why you wouldn't, but his full name is Timothy Donald Tim Cook, born November 1, 1960, so it's almost time to wish him a happy birthday. He's an American business executive, industrial engineer, and developer, and the current and seventh CEO of Apple, previously served as Apple's chief operating officer under founder, the late Steve Jobs. The quote is, the best companies will be the most mobile. Holger, welcome. Tell us about your quote. Hey, Pony. Great to be here. So the, the reason I picked the quote is uh, it's, it's short and sweet. So the, the strategic importance of mobile, which is actually something you, you have been asking the other panelists also is very clear in the quote. So this, this is the driver for the strategic direction of the companies and, and really critical for their overall success. And if you follow the quote a little bit more, what, uh, what he talks about also is that, uh, that Mobile is typically in the current uh, setup and in the current use case is not transformational. So this this goes back to the, the points we already had. And what he also says is that it, it helps people transform businesses. So this this all ties together really nicely, I think, on the one hand, the strategic direction, which we need to, to look after and, and really understand how can we leverage mobile to enable, drive digital transformation, use it as a catalyst there? Mm-hmm. 
it also shows the as is so basically what companies are struggling with and i think this is something where probably pretty much everybody in the industry sits there scratching their heads and said okay we thought we would be a lot further with enterprise mobility in 2016 and it also ties it together to the the, the people and and the user and this is also something the, the user-centric approach in mobility is, on the one hand, a great opportunity. On the other hand, it's a, it's a big challenge because if you really have to understand what somebody is doing who comes to your home and understands, uh, you have to understand what this person does to fix your power system and how you can make their life better. This is a lot of work, requires a lot of dedication and requires the right skills to first understand it and then second really put it uh, in, in, into the system and, and deliver a great mobile application for it. Very interesting, Holger. Thank you. I'm, I'm intrigued. You use the word user-centric, and we talk very often on, on various Game Changers radio series about customer-centric, and there are people who believe that the employee is the customer of the company in a way that you're using, at least internally, you're using what the company has to give you in terms of tools, and life should be very easy for you as the user of whatever the company puts in, into place in terms of infrastructure and in terms of apps. Do you think there's any... Um, any concern, or it, I, sh- I won't say it that way, is there much concern left over about, let's call it sacred apps and data, protected data, getting out through somebody's careless or not vigilant use of their mobile device if you give them access to everything? What about protecting company assets? What about protecting confidentiality? Is that still a concern, and, and are there uh, things in place to, to uh, offset that worry, Holger? Yeah, it, it, it still is. So it, mm-hmm. it still is pretty much a topic in, in every discussion I have with customers yes. about uh, about mobility. So it, it, it always is a topic. Fortunately, there is a lot better understanding uh, of mobility, mobile security, and the tools required. And uh, therefore, this isn't dominating the, the discussions anymore. Okay. I always had in the last couple of years the feeling that the, the mobile security aspects or concerns even dominated the discussion. So you, you, you wouldn't get to the real interesting part from my side. So I'm more mm-hmm. of an applications guy. So it was sometimes frustrating for me that you spend 80, 90% of the time talking about security and not about the great and, and nice and, and business-changing things you can do with mobility. So, so to your question, yes, absolutely, it's still a concern, but I think the level of expertise and the, the assessment of people to say, okay, this is one of the aspects, this is on one side, but on the other hand, these are some of the great showcases and these are some of the things our competitors are doing with mobility. So we have to really put the, put a box around these uh, mobility mobile security concerns and get going just handle it and uh, really focus on the on the use cases and and basically the business impact we could generate 
Thank you. Thank you for that great explanation, Holger. I'm humbled by it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I'm glad it's still part of the conversation, but it sounds like it's not the main consideration anymore because it's being addressed. So let me circle back to Stuart Ravens at Navigant. And Stuart, I have two personal questions for you. Number one, where are you calling from? And number two, you know what I'm going to ask. This is the part of the show where we find out what's in your cup today or what do you plan to be drinking after the show? So Stuart Ravens, Let's hear a little bit about you, please. So um, I'm I'm based in my uh, home office, which is in Sunny Seven Oaks in uh, Kent, which is just to the southeast of London. It's not that sunny at the moment. Um, we'll probably see the sun again, so kind of late March, early April time. Um, but I'm I'm sitting here, and and you know what? It, it, it just occurred to me as I was dialing in that um, it's. It's exactly the same drink and exactly the same glass as it was three years ago. So I'm, I've, uh, I've got a pint of water in front of me and it's in a, a Guinness pint glass. Um, it's looking three years older and I'm probably looking five or six years older than the last time we spoke. Well, I hope the water has been refreshed in the past three years, Stuart. Please tell me it has. Oh, but that, why yeah, are you... that's different. Oh, thank you, dear. Why are you drinking water today? Are you hydrating? You're getting ready for a marathon? You're keeping your, we used to say, wetting your whistle when you get ready to talk a lot. What's the reason for the water? Uh, so, well, the reason is I, I hate tea. I hate coffee. And uh, <laughs> Wait, wait, but hold um, on, hold on. I, you're a Brit? You're, you're a Brit? And I, and I can't stand I, I really, really cannot stand tea. I, I, I can't bear it near me. I hate the smell of it, even. <laughs> I can't even wait for Catherine to speak about that one in a second. Go ahead, yeah. Stuart. Get yourself in more trouble here. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife drinks black tea as well. I mean, it, it, you know, she stews her tea uh, until, you know, the very last drop has percolated out of the tea bag. But, um, yeah, I can't stand it. So I drink water all day because <laughs> it's much healthier than drinking, you know, fizzy drinks. <laughs> You're probably right. Thank you. Thank you for that. And and if you were celebrating uh, after the show, it wouldn't be water. What would it be? You have a favorite uh, stout or a favorite wine? Uh, I, I'd, I'd probably go for a Belgian Abbey beer, something like Leth. Okay, sounds very interesting. Thank you very much. Didn't mean to pry. Not too much anyway. <laughs> uh, Catherine Lynch, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? Um, I'm calling from uh, central central Paris, and it's a pretty cloudy day here. I am drinking uh, green tea uh, from um, an importer called Mariage Frère, which is a um, very shishi kind of tea company. They've got lots of shops all over Paris, and it's called um, Vert Provence, and it's um, mellow, fruity, and flowery green tea. <laughs> and I like it because it, it's got Provence in the title and Provence is a very nice, it's a very cool place to, to go on a holiday and the weather's usually very, very nice down there. I, I am very. In- it doesn't drink tea. I can't either. Bread. That's why I was saying you're going to have something to say about it. By the way, Mariage Frère, uh, it means Marriage Brothers is a French gourmet tea company based in Paris. Founded, I don't know if you know this, Catherine. It was founded on June 1st, 1854, by the brothers Henri et Edouard Mariage, M-A-R-I-A-G-E, and blah blah blah. So you can go online and find information about it, and it's sold at theenglishteastore.com. You can even get it with free two-day shipping on Amazon Prime. Wow. wow. 
and a place called markethallfoods.com, Quality Loose Leaf Mariage Frere, and uh, deanandeluca.com, Beverage has it as well. So it's all over the place. Yes, yeah, so anybody looking, it's Mariage, M-A-R-I-A-G-E, one R, not like marriage, Frere, F-R-E-R-E-S, meaning brothers in French. Thank you, Catherine. Very, very interesting. And Holger Fritziger, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? I'm calling from beautiful Waldorf in Germany, close to Heidelberg. And uh, in my cup, so currently it's water, but this is uh, the less exciting part. What I'm looking forward to is a good glass of local red wine tonight when I come home. And do you have a, is there a label on that wine you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there's actually, so uh, where I live is about uh, 45 minutes away from, from Waldorf in the direction of the French border, and it's actually a wine-growing region, so we prefer mm. to drink the local wine, and uh, local actually means that uh, the vineyards are directly behind our house, and uh, I, when, oh. I, when I go running, I can I can watch the wine grow, so to speak, so not not every time I go running, but... From week to week, I, I see the progress, I see the harvest, I know the people who do the wine, so that uh, makes it a very special experience. So it's called Cuvée Quattro, which means they basically mix four wines, which I don't remember which ones they actually are. One of them is a Cabernet, and one of them is a Merlot, and then they mix two other uh, grapes to it, and that's a, a very nice uh, red wine just for for dinner and uh, afterwards. Sounds lovely. Thank you very much. Very picturesque. Nice to be able to look out over the vineyard in your backyard. I, uh, I'm, I'm envious already. Uh, those of you who don't know me, Stuart, you may remember, they only let me have non-caffeinated beverages on radio show days. And believe it or not, today I have three shows back to back to back for three hours of radio. So I'm definitely drinking water to keep my head on straight. But I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with an orange straw because it's now fall here in New York and the leaves are just starting to turn, not in my immediate neighborhood, but nearby I saw some beautiful golds and, and orange leaves and red and mostly green here, but the fall it is here, the temperatures are starting to drop toward the 30s at night, that's uh, 30 Fahrenheit, so it's in the freezing range and we're going to see the trees turn very quickly. So I'm keeping a cool, clear head with cool, clear water and an orange straw in celebration of fall colors. So guess what, everyone? You're listening to Digital Industries Changing the Game Radio. This is an extra episode past our regular season. I want to do a shout out to Pradeep Amladi at SAP for setting this up. Great topic today. How mobile is enabling digital transformation? We're talking somewhat about digital devices in the hands of workers, employees, staff, consultants, anybody who works for somebody or something, or if you're even if you're a manager, what kind of information can you get? What kinds of business decisions can you make from your mobile? How far are companies progressing in that battle of convenience and user centricity, as one of my panelists said, versus security of protected information? We're speaking today with Stuart Ravens, who is now working at Navigant. He's a Researcher and Catherine Lynch and Holger Fritzinger at SAP. We're going to be right back after the break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that drill. You know the drill. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
SAP, co-innovating alongside customers, is taking its industry-specific solutions into the cloud. Join us to learn how to make the world run simpler in the cloud without missing a beat. It's a tall order. Digital Industries Changing the Game brings together the people who are making it happen. We'll delve into very specific industry trends and also solutions that run across disparate industries, all to help your business succeed in your mission. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of a digitized world. Digital Industries Changing the Game is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Digital Industries, Changing the Game, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to digital industries changing the game. Indeed. Welcome back. Our topic today is how mobile is enabling digital transformation. We're speaking with Stuart, Stuart Ravens at Navigant. We're speaking with Catherine Lynch and Holger Fritzinger at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And it's time for us to officially launch into the segment of the show called The Roundtable. I'm looking at Stuart Ravens' notes that he sent me before the show. And here's where we're going to start the discussion. Let me just read a little bit. And then Stuart will expand it. And we'll invite Catherine and Holger in to comment. So, Stewart says, instead of investigating ways of supporting normal business operations, the asset management industry is developing applications at a rate of knots, K-N-O-T-S. I know that's a nautical term for speed. Stuart, why don't you tell us more, please? Yeah, so um, I, I guess that, that I mean, there are a number of drivers for the development of uh, uh, mobile applications at the moment. And one thing that I wanted to look at in more detail today was um, IoT. So we've all heard a lot of buzz about the Internet of Things, and I think that, you know that, that there are numerous forecasts at how the number of connected devices is just going to grow exponentially. The last one I looked at, um, it's forecasting growth from 2 billion to 26 billion 2 billion devices, connected devices today to 26 billion um, in 2020. But what we're also seeing is a, is a number of different things that are happening within industry. Now, when people think about IoT, they typically think about things like Fitbit. As far as I'm concerned, that, that's just a sideshow to the, where the real uh, uh, money and value will be created with IoT. Because I think that the vast majority of IoT devices will not be seen by the public. They're going to be covered in dust, uh, uh, grime and dirt and grease because they're going to be deployed in industrial equipment. And we're seeing a number of different uh, um, industries really being transformed by IoT. So companies that I, I, I wanted to shout out, FlowServe, they make pumps, Kaiser Compressor, make compress, uh, um, air compressors, Kona Cranes, they're a crane company. They're using IoT to create new data-driven aftermarket services. But this data is going to be really, really important to, to people within, within industry. Uh, and this data and, and uh, um, integrating that data, so operational 
uh, data from the, 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 the operational performance of your assets and linking that in with more uh, uh, some of your business data from things like ERP, it allows you to do some really, really clever and innovative things. And, uh, um, you know, there are a number of different things that I could quote at the moment, but one of those would be FlowServe. So I saw this being demonstrated just a couple of months ago. But, but they, uh, uh, you can basically hold an iPad or a similar tablet uh, uh, with a camera on in front of a device, mm-hmm. and it will augment the, the, the image with the different parts of the, 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 the pump that are connected and give you real-time operational data coming off that particular asset. So you can see if, they, you know, if it's making a strange noise or if you're just doing a maintenance uh, uh, um, uh, uh, inspection, you can use that device and see how healthy the different parts of that asset are. I mean, it's a really fantastic stuff. I mean, that's just one example. Uh, um, but, but um, you know, there, there are thousands of different uh, uh, opportunities for people to really innovate with the data that's coming from IoT to really help them uh, um, uh, help their, their their mobile workforce. Thank you. Very interesting. I looked it up, and they actually have a Twitter handle. It's F L O W S E R V E, and I'm going to tweet that next to your name, Stuart. I'm sure they'll appreciate the shout out. <laughs> Catherine Lynch, you you mostly focus on ProServe, but talk to me about what Stuart introduced. Any thoughts on that, please? Yes, well, the the professional services um, industry is not um, asset, not physical asset intensive, mm-hmm. um, because the the asset is really people and intellectual property. Um, but um, consulting firms um, and and legal firms, for that matter, um, do do uh, provide you know expertise and knowledge around uh, IoT and help companies. Uh, put in place an infrastructure that enables them to um, really exploit all this ma- these massive amounts of data, as, as Stuart was saying, and and in- interpret that data and, and give companies and organisations and very useful insights that they didn't they didn't have previously that wasn't previously possible um, because we we didn't have the the wherewithal to to, to, to process that data and make. Um, make any sense out of it so yeah i'm very excited about um, the future of iot i think it's um it's really going to change our, our lives in a big way and and also not just in business but also also at home in our in our homes managing all sorts of appliances that are in our in our daily lives Interesting, and, and reflecting back, uh, Holger, I'll get to you in a second, interesting f- reflecting on what you said and, and what Stuart said, that uh, they say you can get all the big data you want coming in at you in every direction, but it's what you do with that data that matters. How do you interpret it? How do you analyze it? What do you do with it going forward that's really important? So let's ask Holger Frissinger to join us. Holger, thoughts on what Stuart introduced, please. Yeah, absolutely. And and building on your point, so you can you can have all the real time data you want if you mm-hmm. uh only interpret and uh look at the data once you're back in the office, then it's not real time anymore. So I think that that's mm-hmm. the exciting part about mobility and IoT. If you have the real time data and uh you can consume it, you can get recommendations or decision support right when you're out there fixing a machine or fixing the the uh, power uh, power outlet in, in Bonnie's house, 
then this is a lot more valuable than basically if it's just back office. So I think that that's one of the key points between mobility and IoT, the consumption at the place where it really matters, at the moment where it really matters. That That's really a key aspect. The, Very the interesting. Aspect, Go ahead. Mm-hmm. The, the other aspect which, which I find interesting, so I, I watched a video, I visited a customer last week, uh, and they do elevators, and uh, I saw a, a very interesting case of mobility and IoT there also, which is basically the service technicians. This is an elevator company which has 20,000 service technicians, and they actually go out there and connect their iPhone to the elevator, so that's the first work step. There's actually a lightning to elevator uh, mechanical connector. So I, mm-hmm. I thought I have every lightning connector there is in the universe for all kinds of different use cases. But there's actually a lightning to elevator connector. And they plug it in. They get their data on the device. They mix it up, like Stuart was saying, with enterprise data. And off mm-hmm. you go. So they know, okay, what do they have to do next? Uh, what are some of the, the typical issues, failures, problems to solve with this type of elevator and so forth. So really the, the mechanical link between an elevator and a, and a mobile device, and that gets everything started. Thank you. Very good point and very good example. Stuart, I'm going to circle back to you. Any thoughts on what Catherine and Holger added to your topic? Well, I, I, I think just following on from uh, Holger and, and what I said uh, right at the start about the, you know, most of our IoT devices you won't see. And, and, and actually, it's kind of that the strategy of the companies that are deploying them is so you don't notice them. Uh, and actually, if you think of an elevator, so if you, if you work in a building where, where your elevator works every day, you probably won't even notice who, who, uh, who that elevator manufacturer was. Now, if, if that elevator doesn't work one day in five, you know, you're going to get frustrated with it. And you will know who that, that, that company is. So actually, IoT and uh, uh, IoT data and mobile workforce technologies are actually there to help a lot of organizations stay unnoticed, which is kind of why, you know, we won't, we won't see it. It's, it and that's why I said that the, the, you know, the vast majority will go unnoticed because the companies that are doing it, their strategy is to remain unnoticed, which is kind of a, just more of an interesting observation. So, um, Very interesting observation. Think, Go ahead. <laughs> I, th- I think a segue uh, into something else that, I mean, you mentioned it before, bring your own device and security. Mm-hmm. Something that I've seen, and it's, you know, it, this is particularly within the utilities industry, you know, the, the, there's been a, a, a very rapid transformation in the devices that are actually being used in the field. So uh, um, historically, they were, um, you know, very large, clunky and expensive, uh, ruggedized um, uh, laptops. But there's been a, a transformation and a move to, uh, um, you know, tablets, whether they're ruggedized or even just, just your basic tablets. And, and part of the way of getting uh, um, end user buy-in into a, a mobile project, uh, certainly where there was where process was were historically manual, is, is actually. And I, I've just made this up. It's instead of BYOD, it's UYWD. It's use a work device. So uh, um, you know these utilities are actually supplying their mobile workforce with tablets and saying use them at home. 
use them at home and when you go to work, mm-hmm. make sure you know they're charged and, and, and use them at work as well. And actually, w- with that, one, it's like you're giving me something for nothing and two, I'm going to look after this device when I'm using it at work because I get to use it at home. Now, obviously, there are restrictions on what you can do with those, that, those devices, but, but still, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting new concept Utilities wouldn't go down that DYOD route. You, you couldn't use your own home uh, um, tablet to work on, uh, um, you know, critical national infrastructure. But what they don't mind is the, the employee using a work device for, for home use. So. Very, very interesting. And I, just one side note here before I move into the the discussion of professional services with Catherine Lynch. Uh, recently at a seafood restaurant a couple of weeks ago, the waiter was very helpful. Stuart, he had an accent similar to yours. He was very, very charming and uh, just jovial. And he was suggesting things from the menu. And when it came time for him to take the order, he didn't memorize it. He didn't pull out the traditional waiter's paper order-taking pad, what did he do? He had an iPad. He had an iPad. This guy must have been in his mid-60s, and he was just thrilled to be a waiter. He was happy and wonderful and friendly and pleasant, not too much, just enough, but he put the order into the kitchen via an iPad right at the table. And I was so intrigued by the mixture of old world, new world, if you you know what I'm talking about, the the congenial, I'm here to help you pick the right, the best dinner and enjoy your experience here, and I'm going to use an iPad to tell the kitchen, which is about 40 five feet away and I thought that was just a, a wonderful example I don't know if he gets to take that iPad home Stuart but I love the idea that it was a mixture of old and new in the interest of a great customer experience but I digress Catherine Lynch let's look at your talking points here if anybody's had an experience like that I'd love to hear from it Catherine let's talk about uh, professional services you say in your notes the ProServe industry is high on the digital maturity scale, 5.39 on a scale of 1 to 10. Well, that's over the over the half point with a high rate of SaaS adoption, according to an MIT Deloitte study, due to the nature of the business. The key asset is people, and they're constantly on the move, going to customer sites and meetings. Mobility is a key enabler for the industry. Catherine, why don't you expand that for us, and, and then we'll invite Holger and Stuart to comment as well. Sure, sure, Bonnie. Um, so, th- yes, the professional services companies have really, uh, really kind of leading the in- industry in their adoption of um, software as a service solutions, and that's that's partly because they're you know they're they're asset people. Um, they they're here, there, and everywhere. Maybe, and particularly with globalization, they maybe in different time zones. And so it's really critical for them to be able to access applications or maybe just um, knowledge that's been encapsulated in um, in a database or their own sys applications um, remotely and any anywhere, any place, any time. And um, it could be uh, maybe maybe a project manager, for example, needs to. Uh, onboard a new resource, or maybe you know he may, needs to write up some interview notes while he's on a plane, and then when he gets when he lands, he or she lands, he can uh, up, <clears throat> they can be uh, uploaded into into um, an HR application, uh, or maybe a consultant has just got back from a long trip, and uh, he has to he or she has to enter their the time spent on a project or, and their expenses over the weekend, 
um, and they can do that from their iPad or their or their iPhone, and that just makes people's lives um, so much easier to to be able to access applications, um, you know, from their iPad, um, access knowledge. Um, I have a very interesting quote from a um, Deloitte, an IT director at Deloitte, who said, um, "Our people are in front of customers all the time." It's much less disruptive to glance at an iPad to answer a customer's question um, rather than opening up a, a laptop and waiting for it to boot up and going through the, the rigmarole of using it. And that, that's exactly that kind of that's exactly true. Um, and because because customers are always aware of how much they're they're paying for the services, mm-hmm. they want they expect people to be uh, have efficient. Um, access to to knowledge and to uh get get their answers quickly so so mobile is really a key enabler for these for these frontline people um and it can be extended all the way through to the to the back end to uh billing and um all the all the financial reporting and revenue recognition that um that is that goes on and that's associated with uh with any any kind of service delivery Catherine, do you think that this is uh, is this a revelation to other industries that ProServe companies are so I'll use the word advisedly advanced that they're so proactive that they're so leading edge or cutting edge in terms of yes we know that our industry is based on mobility it's based on accessibility not only of us to the clients and the prospects but of the critical work enabling data to our people who are out there in the field. Is this something that, uh, do they go around with a banner and saying, ha ha, we're pro-serve, look at us, we're more advanced than your industry. Is this a, a, a banner of courage for them? And are other industries saying, hmm, we better look at these law firms and these accounting firms and these other pro-serve firms, maybe we can learn from them. So how does the, how do the other industries re, uh, react to this or respond to this at leading edge? Um. Uh, well, I think it, it's not for customers of these uh, these uh, leading edge, these mature co- uh, com- IT co- consulting firms. I I don't think they're they're that surprised. Um, but um, perhaps what's more, maybe people might be surprised, for example, that the legal industry is adopting mobile solutions at a at a high rate, um, because the image of the legal industry is typically rather, you know. Um, dusty, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, but we do we do have a, cu- a customer example where their their legal people are using a combination of mobility and uh, GPS uh, devices to um, start uh, billing when they arrive at a customer site. The GPS on their on their smartwatch knows what because it recognises the customer site and it can kick off a um, a mechanism to start to start billing by minutes and um, obviously hours uh, and I think that might be more of a surprise to, to people to see that um, the legal industry is adopting um, technology in a, in a big way and, and mobile technology in, in particular. Um, Thank you some, very some, much. Some of our um, customers have also, some of our consulting firms, they, 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 they need to be leaders because they need you know, they like to, to bite their teeth on, on these new technologies so that internally they have the knowledge that they can then uh, sell on to their, to their end customers. 
Thank you, Catherine. Very interesting. Dusty, I, I, by the way, we had a panelist about two years ago here on one of our Game Changers shows who said that, uh, Catherine, take this the right way, real Brits don't use tea bags because tea bags are Americans' dusty way of consuming tea. Who wants a bag that's been sitting around in a box? It's not not real tea. So when you said dusty, dusty reputation of law firms, <laughs> I was thinking of dusty tea bags. But I digress. Don't even answer that one. Holger Fritzinger, love to get your comment on what Catherine's talking about, about the high adoption rate of mobile applications, mobile accessibility in the pro-serve industry. Agree or disagree? Uh, I actually do agree, and I have a, a, a view on one of the main drivers for it. So sure. uh, I spent my first 10 years in consulting, doing consulting, and uh, then moved on to the product organization. And I think many other people are doing the same thing. So they, they start out fresh after university in professional services. So from that perspective, I think the, the user expectation and uh, the familiarity of uh, people actually using mobile devices, I think there's just a, uh, a large number of uh, young people out there, uh, just fresh from college, fresh from university, doing consulting work, and uh, they, they just wouldn't accept anything else but uh, a mobile device as, as their main way of interacting with a company. So that, that's, I think, one of the key drivers. We, uh, we do have conversations with customers in, in professional services, but also in other industries where they come back and say, okay, so step number one is doing a great mobile project, and step number two is talk about it here in the region, here in the area where we want to attract talent, because that, that helps us uh, tell the story of uh, how we're innovative, how we're really uh, focusing on the experience of our employees so that uh, they really see that, that we, we care about that, and uh, they choose us as an employer. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very big draw. We talk about that when we discuss millennials and other quote-unquote young people. Did you know, Holger, that millennials are now approaching their mid-30s in, in age, that they're in their 34th, 35th year, the leading-edge millennials? Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, so we have to come up with, with new new terms and new focus groups, huh? So they're quite... quite That's right. They're they're older. They're almost, yeah, they're, they're almost middle-aged. I wasn't quite sure whether I can say on, on radio they're old now, but uh, I'm, I'm older can. than that, so I can say even, even they are old now. You can say anything you want. Listen, my mom is about 12 weeks away from her 100th birthday, still lives alone, handles every aspect of her life independently. We're so blessed. But when you think about somebody... 35 saying they're old it's like they're not even a third of the way they're barely a third of the way through their lifespan yeah. if my mother is my, the new model for law say they're old if they're over 20 or so, so, <laughs> nine, so it's all, all relative and her best friend is going to be 103 in a few weeks and they still play bridge twice a week and they're still damn good bridge players what can i tell you everything has changed Stuart ravens love to get your comment on what Catherine introduced in terms of high levels of SaaS adoption and mobility in the pro serve industry what are your thoughts um yeah i i absolutely agree uh, and and really it's uh it I think that one of the most important drivers for mobility and professional services is exactly the same as it is with utilities or asset-intensive industries. You're losing money if your staff are sitting around doing nothing. So, you know, a bad mobile application for a utility maintenance crew means 
that you know the van's not moving they finish one job and then they're not going to the next one because they don't know what it is um in law it's kind of the same same idea it's making sure that your lawyers have the the opportunity to maximize their utilization rates so to make sure they can bill so i don't know if you if if a you know a senior partner from a law firm you know, anywhere between five, $500 and $1,000 an hour charge-out rate. You know, they mm-hmm. go to a client, something goes wrong with their laptop, and they can't access their, 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 their law firm's <laughs> document management system. Yep. You know, what do they do? Without a mobile application, uh, you know, to, to download those, those reports, they're, they're kind of stuck. But if they can access it through a second device, they're still able to bill. So, you know... Actually, it's going to cost the law firm a lot more to have a partner sitting around doing nothing than it would a utility, a, a maintenance crew. But, um, but I think it also comes to, I, I, I guess, the next step in that is to make sure that the mobile application that they're using actually serves the purposes that they've been, that, that, uh, of the, the, the person that, that um, is using it. So if you look at successful consumer apps, so nothing to do with business at all, Mm-hmm. The reason that makes them successful is that they cater directly for each individual user's needs. And actually, I mean, what the, the one thing that I wanted to squeeze out in this in this radio show is is the amount of time that has to be invested into designing a, a, a user interface for your mobile applications. The first time I ever wrote about this topic was a long, long time ago. It was Anglian Water, a UK water utility. Um, and, and I, I think the, 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 the most effort in, in their mobile uh, uh, projects, and, and they designed the applications themselves, was actually in, in that usability and designing a user interface so that uh, um, each role of the, uh, uh, of, the, of the people they're providing these applications to had, a, had an application that was tailored for them. So there was no lo- loads of redundant, redundant functionality or loads of grayed out uh, um, uh, um, uh, elements to the, or, or sub-applications mm-hmm. within the major application because uh, um, it just makes it relevant to them and easier to use. Stuart, exactly Stuart, I'm going to have to stop you. I have not, I'm having such a good time speaking with the three of you. I haven't been right. watching the clock. We are out of time. Oh, my goodness. I won't even have time to get to talking points from Holger Fritziger. So, Holger, I'm going to give you predictions time. I'm going to give you 60 seconds for your predictions and then one sentence prediction, one sentence from Catherine and Stuart, and then we have to end the show. So, Holger, give me 60 seconds. What's coming down the pike, so to speak, on mobile enabling digital transformation in all industries? Holger, 60 seconds. Predictions, go. 60 seconds. So, I um, I decided to take a more, more personal view on it, and uh, the, the journey for me with mobility has been that a uh, couple of years ago, I, uh, I thought uh, I will have put myself out of a job. Uh, rolling out mobility within SAP and uh, within our customer base. Uh, I am now revisiting the target and think by 2020 we will have reached a, a stage where mobility is, uh, is so ingrained in, in every process and uh, closely linked to the transformation processes that uh, I can start focusing on something else or so maybe growing wine or some some other interesting industries or, or areas to work on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Holger. Catherine, one sentence prediction. We are really out of time. Catherine, one sentence. What do you see coming forward down the pike for ProServe and mobility? Fast. 
I think the um, the applications market, um, particularly mobile apps, will be as, as big as the internet in in twenty twenty. Thank you, Stuart Ravens. One sentence prediction, please. Um, I guess it's manage your data well because uh, um, all of these IoT devices, if they're all uh, going off willy-nilly into into um, their own little cloud cloud-based uh, um, applications, you've got a load of data silos, which is what we've been trying to move away from for decades. Exactly. Thank you, Stuart Ravens at Navigant. Pleasure to speak with you again. Catherine Lynch and Holger Fritziger at SAP Industries. Thank you both so much. I hope everybody enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. We've been talking about how mobile is enabling digital transformation. This is Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Digital Industries Changing the Game Radio. Next week, we'll have another extra episode of this series talking about automotive with our friend Larry Stoli at SAP, Auto Shell at GM, and Heather Ashton at ID. So I'm going to thank Michael, our engineer, and I'm going to give you my call to action. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Digital Industries, Changing the Game, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. again for listening.